You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. This is The Green Desk on 95BFM. I'm an oil man. Ladies and gentlemen, I have numerous concerns spread across this state. I have many wells flowing at many thousand barrels per day. I like to think of myself as an oil man. As an oil man, I hope that you'll forgive just good old-fashioned plain speaking. And that was, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood, a fantastic film about the oil industry in America. But this week, we're coming closer to home in New Zealand. In 2018, the New Zealand government decided there would be no new offshore oil exploration permits ever again in New Zealand. The ban was hailed by Greenpeace and conservationists worldwide. At the time, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said her government has plans to transition towards a carbon-neutral future. But the ban remains fragile, says a group of academics. Recently, the New Zealand government granted an offshore oil and gas permit because the application was lodged before the ban was put in place and granted afterwards. The matter went before the High Court and the High Court ruled that was okay. Today on The Green Desk, I'm speaking with Amanda Thomas, a lecturer in environmental studies at the University of Wellington. She is one of the three authors of Stopping Oil, Climate, Justice and Hope. Here's my conversation with Dr. Thomas. Explain a little bit about this book, why you, why you were um, involved in writing it and uh, what you found in the book. Yeah, so there's three of us that um, have written the book together, Sophie, Bond, Graydon, Dipros and I, and it's based on research that we did um, mostly from 2013 through to 2017, talking with and working with some of the community groups that were opposing offshore oil exploration and extraction. And so we interviewed a bunch of community activists. We also talked to people from the oil and gas industry, uh, some iwi representatives and some people working in regional and local governments uh, to, to kind of find out how the space was changing and how um, people were resisting extraction and the response of oil and gas companies to that. Uh, the reason we wanted to put it into one place, into a book, uh, was that we wanted to capture the successes and the struggles and the stories of these activists because I think we often have a really short memory about that sort of stuff and so it makes it really hard to to kind of learn and, and grow and sustain momentum sometimes. So, for example, we have a chapter in there about activists' experience of the police and being policed and for lots of the Pākehā activists we spoke to, when they experienced violence from the police, and this was reasonably common, uh, they were really shocked because that was their first experience of, of being policed in that way. Uh, we know that Māori are seven times more likely to experience violence from the police than Pākehā, so the use of batons or dogs. Um, and so one of the things that we wanted to do was capture that kind of story and place it within the context of colonialism um, so that hopefully some activists might read that and, and go into situations where they might encounter the police with a little more uh, preparation in some ways. So, so they know that the 
police can be violent and it's very hard to get accountability for that. But also, if they're Pākehā, they're much less likely to experience violence than people of colour around them. So what does that mean for how we do activism, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, would, would you be able to give a, a little bit of the history of the oil and gas industry in New Zealand and kind of give us a perspective on, on, on how big it is? Because, I don't know, it's, it's kind of one of those things that it's, it's offshore it's done yeah. under the ground, and it's kind of you don't really you don't really think about it. Yeah. So so when the block offer process was ended in 2018, that was sort of after a decade of uh, investment and growth, and the national government really encouraging and fostering close ties with that industry. So by 2018, there was something like 22 active uh, permits for exploration, and that was held by big companies like Shell and OMV, and they had permits to explore for fossil fuels in an area the size of the North Island, but in the, in the sea environment. So a huge amount of our territorial waters um, yeah, carved up and made available to these companies for exploration. Uh, but, of course, the fossil fuel industry has a much longer history in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So in the 1930s, uh, petroleum was nationalised, um, and so that has been the source of Waitangi Tribunal claims to say that Māori were alienated from that um, from that taonga and from that development opportunity. And the Waitangi Tribunal agreed that that was a breach of Te Tiriti when that nationalisation happened, and all the processes needed Māori from that resource and whether or not Māori would have developed it in the same way is, is kind of irrelevant. It's about the opportunity um, and that process of colonisation more broadly. Uh, we sort of saw a much more of a ramping up of fossil fuels through the 60s and 70s in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It's never been a huge, huge industry, but uh, like I say, big investment in it, um, particularly in Taranaki uh, in recent decades. Um, you know, the language at the time was that... We needed to, to make the most of the resources in our hills and in the seas to catch up with the, the development of Australia. You know, this narrative we hear over and over again, that we should be catching up with Australia. Um, so it was it was bringing in um, something like, oh, the, the industry says that it was bringing in something like $650 million in royalties. Um, and... Uh, so there are and were a lot of people in Taranaki working in that industry, um, but it's only ever been a, quite a minor player in our, in our economy overall. But more and more cars are going electric these days. Do we really need to worry about the oil and gas industry? Here's Dr Thomas. Uh, yeah, I think we should still be worried about it. Um, Christopher Luxon said last year, if National was elected, uh, then they would get rid. They would bring back the block offer process. And it was interesting because he said um, in one of the interviews, he basically used exactly the same language that the fossil fuel industry uses about the need for gas. That gas is an important um, transition fuel. So it's it's cleaner than coal, they argue, and so we should be exploring and exploiting gas much more. Um, now, we know globally something like 89% of all carbon emissions comes from fossil fuels, and that in the next decade we need to halve our use of fossil fuels um, to have anything like a kind of livable world. 
Uh, so, yeah, we need to be really worried about um, about the fossil fuel industry and and the close ties that they have managed to foster in the past um, with uh, politicians, for example, here. Um, so we need to be really mindful of, of the same kind of narratives being repeated um, and, and questioning the kind of truth to them and, and the actual need for fossil fuels. When uh, we have a whole lot of technology at our fingertips already, we have so many alternatives already available to us. Mm. Do you have any um, any kind of personal things that you see as the best transition tools? Um, and t- not not so much the um, like degrowth or less consumption, but in terms of like solar or hydro or is there anything that's kind of captures your imagination more than others? I think I think rather than thinking about um, in exactly those terms of what is the best technology, um, sometimes it's more useful to think about the scale. So locating energy production within communities. So there's places like Blue Skin Bay, just north of Dunedin, where they have worked for ages to try and develop their own uh, wind production and their own wind turbine. Um, so localising production close to consumption can kind of be a more useful approach, whether that's solar, whether that's wind, um, yeah, it's something that that we should be thinking about a lot more. Thank you so much to Dr. Amanda Thomas for talking to me about the history of the oil industry in New Zealand, where we're heading in the future, where we could be heading in the future, um, and about the book Stopping Oil. That was The Green Desk on 95BFM. Tihei Modi Order. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.